Bretto, the wellness world can get a bit confusing at times, particularly when it comes to protein powder. Sure can, MP. Some protein powders have nasty fillers, artificial sweeteners, flavours, and not to mention a poor source of protein. This is what sets true protein apart from the rest. It's true, MP. True protein has no gimmicks, no false promises, no nasty fillers, no artificial sweeteners or flavours, and a total honesty policy that ensures every ingredient list is transparent and pure. Not to mention, True Protein is absolutely delicious, GMO-free and grass-fed. True Protein is the premier choice of world-class athletes, sporting teams and wellness enthusiasts all around the world. And for listeners of The Wellness Guys, you can get an awesome 10% off your True Protein order when you use the code WELLNESS10. Just go to trueprotein.com.au and enter the discount code WELLNESS10 for 10% off. Surely that's too good to be true, Bretto. It's the truth, MP. Wellness Guys listeners get 10% off your true protein order when you use the discount code wellness10 at trueprotein.com.au. Welcome to the Wellness Guys show with wellness experts Dr. Damien Kristoff and Dr. Brett Hill. This episode of The Wellness Guys is brought to you by the all-new Sprouted Forage Cereal Breakfast Range. Did you know that when you sprout your nuts and your seeds, you can access more of the nutrition? Well, now you do. To find out more, visit www.foragecereal.com. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. This is Damien. And this is Brett. How are you, mate? Hey, mate. Great. Thank you. Uh, Come off a very busy week. Um, Actually, a busy fortnight, actually. Um, Yeah. A trip to Adelaide, trip to Bendigo, trip to Cairns, trip to Sydney, trip to Perth, and back to Melbourne. Yeah. If you were in Europe, you could have gone to like 20 different countries, <laughs> but you just stayed in Australia. Seriously, it was unbelievable. <laughs> it was unbelievable. But uh, great, exhilarating, really great things happening. And, you know, well done again, Bruno, on a, a wonderful uh, wellness base camp event in Bendigo, which is the reason why we were there. Uh, you, did a, you did a great job, a sterling job, uh, and you presented a new... Um, a new talk which we spoke about in our last podcast with Piercy joining us and uh, it, it's been, you know, just a fly. And I watched Marcus in full tilt, like he was on fire at the GoVita conference in Cairns. I, yeah. I just, I, I, you know, we've seen Marcus perform and do such a great job, but as an MC, cheap as he's good, he's just unbelievable. But, he is. Uh, he's the best MC, isn't he? Like yeah. he, tries to, he tries to get me up there to help him out MCing, but it's like, best nah, Marcus, he's got, he's got it covered. Best he's in great. the business. He's amazing. Yeah. He yeah. is. I, I seriously reckon he must eat a lot of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we're talking about today, Damo. We're talking about quitting sugar because it's been a popular topic over the last few years, Damo. And mm. I know how much you hate fruits and vegetables and you love erythritol. And so we thought it'd be great just to sit down and talk everything about quitting sugar because it, it has been a big deal. You know, lots of people, even still now, talking about quitting sugar and getting healthier and changes they've noticed from quitting sugar. And um, and so, you know, there's lots of people out there wondering whether they should be quitting sugar or, or should they be going high sugar? You know, everyone's a bit confused about what they should be doing and what it looks like. So let's get into the nitty-gritty of quitting sugar, Damo. What, what are your thoughts generally around quitting sugar? And then let's get into some specifics. Okay. Well, the whole idea around quitting sugar makes sense to me. Um, however, it's really the, the intention behind quitting sugar should be about uh, quitting refined sugar or at least sugar in large quantities. So I don't think that there's a, um, an, an easy to define amount of sugar that every single person should limit themselves to. 
Um, and then I don't think it's wise to define, um, you know, what fruits and vegetables you can or cannot eat because they contain sugar because you've broken the food down into something incredibly simple. Mm. And the reality is, is that anything that contains sugar also contains lots of chemicals. If it's, if it's a natural sugar, I should say, anything that contains naturally occurring sugar, um, like a banana or like blueberries or like strawberries or like watermelon or anything like that, anything that contains a naturally occurring sugar is bound to or attached to lots of um, what we call polyphenols or phytochemicals that will uh, act as antioxidants and act to improve the function of the body. And it needs those carbohydrates or sugars to, you know, be able to do that and stimulate those sorts of processes. But the avoidance of sugar en masse, uh, in other words, if you take out your, your, your sweeteners like cane sugar um, or honey, um, or fruit-based sugars, you know, where the, the sugar would naturally occur in the fruit. If you take those things out, uh, you you may actually uh, be missing out on other vitamins and minerals. And so, yes, you'll drop your sugar content down, but there could be, and there most probably uh, is, significant uh, repercussion as associated with that. So I'm cautious of it. I'm cautious of it. I like the idea that you might cut back your sugar intake, um, but I don't like the idea of quitting sugar altogether if it means removing fruit. Yeah, and I reckon I'm very much on the same wavelength here, Damo. So as always, you know, not, not always, but most of the time we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, when we talk about quitting sugar, I think it's another hack, isn't it? You know, we talk about how much we don't like hacks and we talk about just getting back to, you know, healthy living. And I think quitting sugar is another hack where people want to use it as a hack to lose weight. And people want to use it as a hack to get their sugar metabolism and their, you know, diabetes under control. Um, but, but really, it shouldn't be about a hack. You know, I, I'm all for people reducing the amount of sugar in their diet because if you look at the, you know, standard American, standard Australian diet, there's way, there's no doubt, there's way too much sugar and way too much processed carbohydrates in the diet. I don't think anyone could really argue against that i know some people will there's some you know some people are all into high sugar diets mm. and, and will argue against that but i think it's a difficult case to argue and a difficult one to draw uh but but i think if we if we're really talking about just you know improving the diet of the general population then getting back to whole real foods and getting back to a more balanced diet is naturally going to cause quite a significant reduction in the amount of sugar in their diet especially as you said the amount of processed sugar in their diet so you know, I'm all for trying to get the right amount of sugar into the diet. Um, and and to me, once again, that always comes back to looking at it from an evolutionary perspective and saying, you know, what would we have naturally eaten as a hunter-gatherer, as a caveman, you know? And that would have been a combination of, you know, healthy fats, healthy proteins, and some fruits and vegetables when they were available, probably seasonal, you know, probably not as sugar-laden as the fruits and vegetables we get in our modern society because they've been changed a lot in that time. Um, and so it makes sense to me that we might want to be conscious of both the unnatural and the natural sugars or the, or the processed and the unprocessed sugars that are in our diet for all of those reasons. But it doesn't make sense to me that quitting sugar altogether, unless you have some sort of a um, you know, dysregulation within your body. You know, we see people with, uh, you know, with neurological disorders uh, and they can go on to these really strict ketogenic diets and sometimes get really amazing results. Uh, like and epilepsy, so you look at, for example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and so, you know, you look at someone like a Terry Walls with her MS, you know, and, and these sort of people where, where they do find an advantage to doing these sort of really low, low, low sugar ketogenic diets. 
Um, but I think for the general population, what we're talking about is, you know, just eating real healthy food, getting back to the sort of diet that our bodies were naturally designed to have, I think makes a lot more sense than trying to cut out sugar altogether or trying to replace your sugars with artificial sugars um, and keep eating what you've been eating before. That that really doesn't make sense. Well, that was a problem, uh, um, you know, and when um – what was her name? Sarah Wilson. When Sarah Wilson did the <laughs> I Quit Sugar book, um, she and uh, you know, let's just be honest here. She's a journalist. Um, she'd studied six months of nutrition and then wrote a book about quitting sugar. Uh, so her intention to report information uh, was good and wise. Like it, you know, really highlighted some stuff. But the cracks in the story started to emerge for me when I noticed that she was um, taking large sums of money to promote products. Um, that that were in her mind low sugar, but then also selling products that were alternatives to sugar, um, such as rice malt syrup, and now, which is a highly processed product. It's not just something that just grows um, and then you can just eat it. It's actually a highly processed product. So when I started to see those sorts of things going, I'm going, hang on a second, there's more to this story. And yes, you can report, you know, all of the the cons of sugar, but there's also pros to you know carbohydrate you know consumption and we see that now particularly with the rise of vegan again so yes in the 60s or the 70s probably the 60s actually there was the vegan you know kind of uh, thing going moved into the 70s um and then the fit for life program kind of came in so it was fruit for breakfast salad for lunch a a larger meal with included meat um, or a animal-based protein at dinner time that fit for life program seemed to take off in the 80s there was um, all kinds of, there was the Pritikin diet, um, there was other diets like, oh, what was another diet they did in the 80s? The Atkins, was that 80s? Oh, I think that, that was later? probably the 90s, yeah. yeah. But, oh, the life being, I suppose we saw here in Australia, there wasn't a whole lot of dieting done here in Australia, like the Pritikin was maybe the biggest one through the 80s, maybe, maybe the middle part of the 80s, the later part of the 80s, but each of those sorts of diets have kind of advocated for the ingestion of fruit and vegetables, except for keto and Atkins, and then now I quit sugar, um, or the quitting sugar style eating program, which means watch out for all types of sugar going to your body. But then now we've got this um, this diet approach, vegan and vegetarian, where there's higher consumption of carbohydrate fuels, including large you know, amounts of, of uh, fruit, and, and people are doing really well with it. Not all people are doing very well with it, but there are people. There's a there's an Instagram um, Instagram called Plant Proof, and this bloke is, you know, he's a pretty decent unit. Like, he's pretty big, pretty strong. Um, looks like he can do a fair bit of exercise, and he outlines um, his reasons for recommending a plant-based diet and the exclusion of meat, and it includes the consumption of lots of vegetables and lots of fruits. Uh, Marcus and I interviewed people... Uh, a couple who ran around Australia and did 365 marathons um, in a year. So they ran a marathon every single day um, and they fueled themselves on a plant-based vegan diet uh, and they both ate about 30-something bananas each per day. (laughs) I just can't even imagine what that would feel like in my guts, right? But they got through it, they did it, and so there's no doubt that you can actually get through stuff. And, And the reality is that they ended up having to get um, nutrient and vitamin injections to replenish their body because they were so depleted in other things. But the, the point being that you can eat fruits and vegetables, 
but the bigger message being that fruits and vegetables should form the basis for a healthy diet, which would then include fats and proteins. And that's what we've got to get right. That's where we've got to be heading is the adequate amount of fat and the adequate amount of protein combined with a plant-based diet. I think that's really important. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting you mentioned that in terms of the, you know, the sort of high carb vegans that we see getting around. And, and my experience with that, or, or at least from, you know, from the outside looking in at, at people I've noticed living that way is that it does seem to be those who are doing pretty high levels of exercise that are the ones that are doing it really well. So, you know, you talk about this couple that are running around Australia and, and obviously, you know, they're consuming a lot of sugar, but they're also burning it off very quickly yeah. uh, because they're doing that degree of movement each day. And so, you know, there's, there's people in, a, in Adelaide, I think there's a girl in Adelaide, I think she's called Freely the Banana Girl, who was kind of famous for doing the 30 bananas a day thing. And uh, and once again, that you know, she rides her bike and, and she does a lot of uh, cycling and exercise. And so it, it does seem to be that those who are doing that type of diet well and as you said understanding that they probably still are needing to do some level of supplementation particularly in terms of you know vitamin b12 and that sort of stuff yeah. then um but but aside from that they do seem to be doing relatively well with these diets but they do seem to be the people that are doing really high levels of intense exercise mm. so you know my, my kind of way of thinking you know there's always going to be those at the extremes you know yep. so there's those extremes who can do this really high carb diet and seemingly do it well yep. there are those at the other extreme who are doing the keto thing and doing it well and and a lot of those you know people who have certain disorders and reasons for doing it that way who find that really beneficial but yeah, for the vast majority, for the bulk of the population, they probably sit more in the middle of that bell curve and, and you know, getting a more balanced approach between fats, proteins and carbohydrates, I think, seems to work well for most people. And I find that's what works well for me anyway, you know, and that's probably the thing that I can talk about the best is what works for me. And so, you know, for me, I definitely find if I was having the degree of, you know, carbohydrates in my diet that I sort of ate growing up, which was probably just a very standard Australian diet. Uh, then, then the yeah the processed carbohydrates that were in that. Um, it, when I eat that now, I feel rubbish. You know, I, I just feel really ordinary. I get the the biggest change I notice is probably that I get bloated, um, but mostly that I get tired and I get grumpy. And and those are probably the biggest things I notice if I do sort of go back to eating that way. Yeah. Um, and, and even over the last probably I would say six to twelve months, where I've been probably you know. I don't want to say lax, but, you know, for want of a better word, I'll say lax, but, you know, more more relaxed probably is a better way of saying that about my diet than I had been in the last uh, five or six years maybe. Um, then, then I've noticed that I've probably gone a little bit and probably slipped a little bit the other way of, of having too much of those uh, carbohydrates into my diet. It's because you loved you know, up, mate. It's because you loved up. Well, it's kind of, but it's also a little bit of that sort of justification as well that we all do, where it's like, yeah, but it's a paleo raw dessert, you know. So, it's, <laughs> oh, you know, we it's saw healthy. that, didn't we? Who did we say that with? Honey, who are right? the girls? The, um, the Merrymaker sisters. Merrymaker sisters. They experienced yeah. that same thing, you know. They were yeah, making yeah. all these raw desserts and stuff and paleo desserts, but they're still yeah, desserts. Yeah. They're meant and to so be it's desserts. Like homemade, you know, it's homemade chocolate, so I can eat it for breakfast. That's <laughs> you know, and so. I reckon definitely at stages sort of going that way. And even just little things like, you know, drinking more calories. So, you know, I'd have like a, you know, a coconut milk hot chocolate and put some honey in that. Or, you know, I'd have smoothies, which just sort of seemed to be, you know, I could get more stuff in without necessarily feeling as full. And so, you know, I reckon over the last, probably just over the last month or so, I've sort of got that stage where I'm like, yeah, I reckon I just need to correct this and adjust this a little bit. And But that's the thing. It's a constant adjustment as well, isn't it, Damien? Like it's not the same 
because as your life changes and as your level of exercise changes and as your level of stress changes and you know you've got kids or no kids or you know all of these things actually change our requirements in terms of getting the balance right don't you think yeah i do absolutely i absolutely agree with that statement and um and you're right. I mean, you mentioned earlier on about exercise and people were doing a lot of exercise to burn through all these calories. There's there's much to be said for the amount of exercise that we all do or the amount of movement that we all do, whether it's, you know, exercise that's prescriptive like CrossFit or a gym-based program or F45 or whatever it is that you're wanting to do or even, you know, triathlon. That's what I'd call prescriptive or movement, which would be in your garden, going for a little walk or um, just maintaining activity through the day, those sorts of things, there'll be as a different requirement for the amount of calories and the types of calories that you put into your body and the way in which your body will repair. So if it's relatively low intensity, then your, you know, your calorie intake could be from low calorie fuels such as, um, or low calorie foods such as fruits and vegetables. Um, but if you need to have more calories because your exercise is intense, you might look for more robust types of foods like your proteins and like your fats, like they're the things that are going to help you out. But as you get older, you'll be more efficient. You won't need as much because there's less to grow and probably more to maintain. So the quality of your food is really important as you get older because you're wanting to uh, use better quality I suppose, and more abundant amino acid profiles and carbohydrates and, and lipids uh, to help repair um, tissues that are, I suppose are slower to re- repair and to heal. And so as you get older, there's a, a requirement for less food but better quality, in my opinion, um, as opposed to when you're younger and you can just, you know, pretty much pull <laughs> amino acids out of the air. Um, and so, you know, when you're younger, you you could use you know, the poor quality ones to repair your body and to get the job done, but there'll be a long-term impact of doing that. So the ideal thing would be to use the best quality possible. And then the, um, I suppose the flip side of that would be that where, where you do get older and your requirements do change, try to get the best quality that you possibly can. And so the, the other thing that I see popping up a lot lately, Damo, is people talking about fats and carbs. And yeah. And the comment that I've heard a lot of people say recently is that, you know, you can either eat high fat and low carb or high carb and low fat, but you can't do both. Like if you eat fats and carbs, and particularly these people seem to be talking about weight, um, that if you eat fats and carbs together, then you're going to put on weight. And I know that you know, generally that doesn't fit with your usual approach of sort of looking more towards that zone method. So I'd love you to talk on that subject because it is something that does seem to be popping up, uh, you know, with just people I'm chatting to, but also in the media more and more recently. Mm. Absolutely. Sorry, Brad, I got distracted there. <laughs> I just, we're supposed to go into another podcast and uh, and I just got a message through uh, with, with a discussion and then I got, I got sidetracked. Could you ask that question again, please, Brad? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll do it shorter this time, right? So some people are saying that if you want to lose weight, yes. you've got to either do high fat, low carb or yes. high carb, low fat, and you can't do both. What do you think about that? Well, there's wisdom in that because essentially what you've got to do in order to lose fat specifically is to reduce the amount of calories in the body or being or, or being absorbed by the body uh, by the gastrointestinal system so you can we now know that you can actually use a probiotic to limit the amount of calories being absorbed by the body that's pretty cool that's that's a bit of a hack um, but really that comes down to the nourishment of the microbiome and the flora within the gastrointestinal system we might talk about that in another podcast 
Um, the probiotic effect on weight loss, uh, which is cool. Um, but if you starve the body of a particular macronutrient, your body will then need to access those macronutrients from your storage form. Now, if you starve your body of fat, um, that's that's kind of, uh, in my opinion, it's kind of dangerous uh, because the brain requires fat uh, in large amounts and it's difficult then uh, for the body to, you know, to, to regulate the amount of lipid that's circulating through the body to maintain yeah. the integrity of the cells, the integrity of the muscle cells, the integrity of the brain and function and neurological function. Now, we also and, know, and hormonally as well, Damien. I mean, those yeah. fats are, are really important there as well, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. And, and you know, fat is an important component of triglyceride um, and also important component of cholesterol. And we need triglyceride and cholesterol um, to help us manufacture our hormones. So it's, it's important to get dietary fats. Now, it's equally important to have carbohydrate. However, too much carbohydrate will result in a calorie excess that will need to be stored and packed away. And when we store and pack away our carbohydrate fuels, we manufacture more fat. So if if we go low fat, high carb, that presents some challenges. If we go low carb, high fat, long term, that also presents some challenges because we can get to a situation where we become so sensitive to carbohydrate that any consumption of carbohydrate could result in fat storage. So my approach has always been how about we have some carbohydrates, some fat, and some protein in every single meal, but keep our calorie load down low enough so that our body doesn't have excess calories. That's my approach. Now, the reason why I like to use that approach is because it's not that restrictive. It still means that you're having fruits, vegetables, and salads. It still means you're having protein. It still means you're having fat. Now, if you're talking grain-based carbohydrate, there's some really great quality grain-based carbohydrates that contain protein, high levels of amino acids like quinoa, amaranth, rice, millet and and legumes like buckwheat <coughs> forage cereal yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes forage cereal absolutely uh proudly brought to you by forage cereal but there's those sorts of um grains that we can use now uh for if we look at other grains that do contain uh protein um oats are another uh grain that do contain protein but they they contain a protein that can be um, challenging to people's digestion and many people ask me you know why don't you recommend oats and it's not that i don't recommend them it's just that if you eat too many of them, you will just bloat. And that's not ideal. And in the current age where people are afraid, afraid to bloat or afraid to fart or um, get upset because they get a runny gut from time to time or whatever it is, um, you know, I, I think an understanding of what might be causing that, whether it's chili, whether it's FODMAPs like iron, uh, sorry, like garlic or onion, um, or if it's, you know, a simple little grain like quinoa or oats, like just be aware that those things can actually upset your guts as well. Just because someone says that it's good for cholesterol doesn't mean it's good for your guts. Yeah, and it's such a good point you're making, Damo, where there are so many things overlaying on top of this for a lot of people. Like we're seeing so many people with all a huge variety of different food insensitivities nowadays. And I know you will link a lot of that back to their gut health, but, but obviously that makes it harder for people to try and get this balance right in terms of the fats, the proteins, and the carbohydrates as well, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. So it's so important. You, the balance the balance is key. So if we look at some of the diets that have spoken about balance, um, one of the greatest diets was Dr. Um, Barry Sears. So Dr. Barry Sears wrote a book called The Insulin Zone, and his whole thing was about keeping insulin levels low. And the way in which we keep the insulin levels low is to not um, remove carbohydrate fuel or carbohydrates or sugars from the body in, in – 
like 100% like reduction. But to pair your carbohydrates with the right amount of fat and with the right amount of protein. And he found that the ratio of 40% carbohydrate with 40% of your calories coming from um, protein and 30% of your calories coming from fat appeared to be uh, the best sort of approach. So when you look at that, if you consider that uh, the amount of calories that come in through fat into the body, and here's something else to remember too, is that fat doesn't stimulate a hormone response within the body when you consume it. Whereas carbohydrate, when it's converted to glucose, stimulates a hormone response within the body, and that's the insulogenic response. And the challenge with having too much insulin in the body is that um, you will eventually, if you eat too much carbohydrate and have too much insulin in the body, you'll start to develop something called insulin resistance. And that's a result um, primarily associated with an abundant supply of carbohydrate and an abundant supply of insulin. And insulin's also pro-inflammatory. So we've got to be you know, mindful of getting this balance thing right. But fat provides twice the amount of calories per gram as what carbohydrate does. So we could be eating less in terms of quantity by including fat in our diet because it supplies twice the amount of calories uh, per gram than what carbohydrate or protein does. So th- there's these things to consider. But I, I love the approach of that zone-style eating, and that's what the PAR method is that I've been talking about for years, Bredo. Yeah, and so I guess the other side to that with the fat as well is the level of satiety, right? So, yeah. so it does have that greater level of level of satiety as well. So even though it has more carbohydrate, or sorry, more calories, then often you're you're not wanting to consume as much as well, which is kind of the flip side. I think some people miss. But you know what you're saying, I guess, in answer to that question, then Damo, is it's not about doing high fat or like or high carb. You know, you can have the fats and the carbs so long as you do two things you've mentioned, which is really making sure you have adequate amounts of protein, yep. um, and then secondary, making sure you're getting in some good low calorie foods. So can you talk on that a little bit, Damo? What are the lower calorie uh, yeah foods, perhaps in each each of these categories, you know, fat, protein, and carbohydrate, what are some lower calorie foods people should be focusing on adding into their diet to make sure that if they do want to have the fats, carbs, and proteins, that they're doing it in a way that isn't raising their calories because they are having the fats and the carbs? Yeah. Do you remember when we did um, that experiment in in at the zoo in Adelaide at yes. the holiday festival? Do you remember that? And we uh, so we got that lady to come up and eat the apples and yep. we uh, got the, we gave the bloke those chips. Do you remember that? Yep. That was so good. Well, that's amazing. a really great, um, you know, I suppose pictogram or image or example of what we're trying to get people to consider is that 800 calories is equivalent to two bags of chips, um, which is also equivalent to 18 apples. Yeah. And 800 calories is about one third of your daily diet. So if you ate 18 apples, that would give you 800 calories. If you ate two bags of chips, that would give you 800 calories. And so it was a really interesting um, situation and a really interesting experiment to do was to show people that if you ate foods that uh, were made primarily, um, well, not made, that consisted of primarily uh, water, like fruits and vegetables, that that would offer satiation or satiety uh, because of the chemicals uh, that are existing that are naturally occurring in that in that food that you're eating. So the same would be said for protein and the same would be said for fat. So the idea would be that we would use foods that are rich in fat like nuts and seeds or avocado um, as, a, as a great unrefined source of fatty intake or fat foods or fat-containing foods, same as un, unprocessed proteins. So 
fresh. And, and is that partly to do with the fiber content as well, Damo? Yeah, you've got fiber, you've got other chemicals, you've got your plant-based um, chemicals. So as I said before, the phytonutrients and the phytochemicals, all of those things exist in an unrefined um, state in a, in, a, in a product or in, a, in a, an item that's unprocessed. Uh, so an avocado is different to avocado oil. A coconut is different to coconut oil or coconut milk. Um, an apple is different to a uh, potato chip, even though we're considering that they both might have carbohydrate in it. And um, a tin of tuna is really different to fresh tuna. And so we're trying to go for the least processed version of the food so that our body uh, recognizes the signals from that food that tells us that, hey, you've had enough to eat and I've got all the nutrients and nourishment that I need so that I can actually repair my body. So you'll find that if you're eating less processed food, you'll eat less food and you'll thereby also take in less calories. I like it, Damo. I like it. So I mean, really, we're getting back to just, Jeff, you know, just eat real food. But do you think uh, in light of, I guess, what's, as I said before, the changes that have been made to our foods, particularly our fruits and vegetables, you know, I, I just think they're a lot more sugary and carbohydrate laden than they would have been at any previous time in our history, just because of the way they've been um, changed over time, you know, that they've been deliberately uh, fostered to be that way because that's the way people's tastes have gone. So, you know, do you think in light of that, there's a requirement where we, when we are just eating real food, that we also do push towards maybe when we're looking at our fruits and vegetables, um, some of the lower carb fruits and vegetables and, and possibly even maybe limiting our fruits and vegetables a little bit more than we otherwise would have had to if we were eating the fruits and vegetables of even just say a couple of hundred years ago? Yeah, potentially. I think, you know, you see avocados now have a really small seed compared to what they used to. I mean, those big seeds have been kind of bred out. Um, and then we also look at the size of these apples these days. Some of them are enormous. Like the size of a three-year-old's head, some of these apples, they're, they're massive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to some extent, um, I agree with you. Uh, however, the sugar quantity... Um, I don't think has changed all that much, unless you've got a, an example for me. But I, I met I met this guy the other day who wrote a book called The Calorie Counter. His name's Alan Brewerschek, and he's sold more than twenty million copies of this particular book called The Calorie Counter, and uh, he's known as the Calorie King. Anyway, when we look at all of the calories, and I, I I compared the edition that I've got, which is like the seventeenth edition. Um, to the edition that's out now, which is the, the 35th edition or the 45th edition or something. And I looked at those and the calorie uh, component for, say, blueberries was exactly the same. And the calorie component for, say, uh, watermelon was exactly the same. So from a ketogenic perspective, when I was using these calorie counting books, um, that was my reference as to how much food you would actually choose um, to put into a particular meal. So I don't think that's changed too much, but they've been, you're right, they've been bred differently. Uh, I don't think there's any need to limit fruits and vegetables in our diet, but we should be eating more vegetables and more salads and still including some fruit. The vegetables and the salads are absolutely totally safe, and I don't think you can ever overdo that. Nice. I like it, Damo. Mm -hmm. I think we might be just about out of time, Damo. We are out of time, Bretto. It's been a very interesting chat. I feel like I've chatted way too much, and I don't know if you've chatted enough, but um, you've asked some really great questions in there, Bretto, and I think <laughs> that, that will stimulate lots of thought for people. And, you know, coming back to the whole I quit anything um, scenario, the reality of quitting anything probably <laughs> then implies some degree of calorie reduction, reduction or restriction, but also a macronutrient restriction or reduction. And and that 
can be problematic for you long term. So both Brett and I would give the advice that it's wise to consume protein, fat and carbohydrate at every opportunity that you can in each of your meals. And, uh, and, and rather than just, you know, focusing on being purely vegan or purely carnivorous, find the happy medium, which is a, which is a place of sensible eating and sensible diet, uh, I, I suppose, for everybody. Yeah, and you know the irony of us talking about not quitting anything, Damo, on the day when I've started quitting alcohol again is not <laughs> lost on me. That's why I was having a little giggle there. But it, but it does kind of tie into the other thing we're saying, which I think is to be really mindful of the calories that you're drinking, um, not just in alcohol, but in you know whether it's your hot chocolates, your smoothies, your juices, your cordials, your soft drinks, whatever it is that that's your vice. Um, yeah, be mindful of those calories you're drinking because they don't have the same reactions within your body. They don't have the same you know, carbohydrates and, and other factors that you're talking about when you're talking about just eating real food. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great chat, Brado. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we we'll look forward to joining you next week on another edition of The Wellness Guy Show. Thanks, Brado. Thanks, mate. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of The Wellness Guy Show. We hope you love the new feel. Remember to continue to interact with us and tell us what you thought of this and other episodes. Please head to facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Guys and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. This is the way that we get to share our message with the world. For more information about Bredo and all that he's up to, please head to drbredhill.com.au. And to find out more about me, head to damienchristoff.com. Until we meet again, continue to bring wellness into your life and we'll join you next time on The Wellness Guys Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.